Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. So, is everybody ready for this? Good. All right. So, by the way, happy uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day. I, I, I got confused. My brain went searching. Am I supposed to say happy? Am I supposed to say merry? What do I say there? It's, I guess it's happy St. Patrick's Day. Or you can have a merry St. Patrick's Day, too. Um, awkward silence. Okay, here we go. So... This is our last week of the Wildfire series where we've been kind of working through some of the high points of the book of Acts. And uh, last week we were talking about how Paul hit some major uh, hurdles in his, uh, in his ministry. Here's, here's the apostle Paul called by Christ, blinded by the light, uh, you know, the whole thing and, 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 uh, and changed from uh, the Pharisee Saul into the apostle Paul, wrote half the New Testament. He's just... He's just this incredible man of God starting churches all over Europe and, and uh, doing his thing. He is, him, he is tracking. He is, he is just hustling for Jesus out there. And then these roadblocks happen where Paul uh, basically uh, gets arrested. <clears throat> now, he had been arrested before. He was that kind of guy. Uh, but he, this time, it was a, it was a serious uh, arrest. Um, they were going to try to kill him. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> So they're going to try to kill him. He appeals uh, because he's got Roman citizenship and says, I want to talk to Caesar about this. So they start transporting him uh, to Rome. Now, this is where we pick up the story today. And this is our last week in this, in this series. Paul is on the way to Rome. And um, you can flip over to the book of, book of the Acts, get over towards the end. We'll hit it in just a second. But Paul is on the way to Rome by ship. He's on a prison ship. He is on a ship full of prisoners on their way to Rome. There are Roman centurions that are guarding, you know, the whole thing. And, and it's, I mean, it's pretty hardcore. He, along the way, he gets a chance to talk to a king and preach to a king. He, even, even in the midst of being a prisoner on a prison ship, he is still doing his gospeling thing. He, he is, again, does not let up at all. He's like, okay, this is where God has placed me, so I'm going to do my gospeling thing right here where God has placed me, and he just keeps doing it. And so he gets a chance to, to, to stand before a king and preach before a king, a guy named Agrippa, and uh, almost persuades that guy, but then they just keep going. On the prison ship, he begins to minister to the prison guards and win some of them over to Christ. Then this happens. All right, you ready? As if enough roadblocks had not happened to Paul already, they are traveling along the uh, Mediterranean Sea in their ship at the wrong time of year, and a nor'easter hits, and uh, this storm just literally rocks the boat. <laughs> literally rocks the boat. I mean, just, just a, a, a huge storm attacking this ship. And Paul uh, tries to speak up. This is Paul. I mean, he's so bold. I mean, he's, he's on this ship as a prisoner, and he tries to speak up and says, um, I think that we are in danger of our lives, and we need to take this course, and plots out a course I really believe will be fine if we take this course. And the, but the, the Bible actually tells us that, uh, that they uh, listened to the pilot instead of listening to Paul. And so uh, they went the way the pilot wanted to go. Um, and so they ended up shipwrecked shipwrecked. Again, he's already been arrested. 
He's already been beaten. He's already had all these things. Now we're going to pile shipwreck on top, top of that. And so they, they, their ship runs aground. It wrecks. They swim to shore. They end up on this island called Malta. Malta. And that's where we pick up our story today. So flip over there to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. <coughs> Acts chapter 28, 1 through 5. So they... Now, now, first of all, get this in your head for just a second. When they shipwreck... Um, again, this is not carnival cruise line having to be towed to shore shipwreck this is a ship full of prisoners okay this is the plot of a Nicolas Cage movie basically okay it is it is that kind of I mean these are hardcore prisoners plus Paul on a ship and they have just shipwrecked if you're a prison guard in that situation what do you do He's right, you kill everybody. You're like, just line them up, and then we're going to swim to shore, right? And that's exactly what they decided to do, except for there was one of the centurions that Paul had led to Christ that said, uh, let's not do that, because he didn't want Paul to be harmed. So, good going on you, Paul. That's a good, that's a good job there, sharing the gospel, right? So, verse 28 says this, or I'm sorry, chapter 28, verse 1. It says, after we were brought safely through, <coughs> we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. Okay? So he's beaten up. He's jailed. He's shipwrecked. And now he's bitten by a poisonous snake. This guy cannot catch a break. All right? So it comes out because of the heat fastened onto his hand. Now, when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Just... Oh, poisonous snake, ouch, shakes it off into the fire. No harm comes to him. And because of that, because of that little miracle, because of the faith of Paul, because of his undying faith, because of his endurance in hard situations, he then begins to lead people to Christ on this island. Just an amazing story. Amazing. Now, you can read on throughout the rest of the book. There's not much left, but basically he makes it to Rome and and actually, if you finish the book of Acts, you're going to feel like that's it because it, it feels like it uh, ends right in the middle of a story, and it kind of does. Uh, a lot of scholars believe that there probably uh, either there was or there was intended to be an, an Acts part two, and, um, and it, it either was written and lost or was never written. So um, I want to talk about this a little bit because here's the thing. Again, like we talked about last week, all this stuff, this junk that just keeps piling up on Paul, the stuff that just keeps happening, Paul never sat down and wrote that stuff into his five-year plan, ever. Nowhere in his five-year plans was get bitten by a poisonous viper. That, that was not in there at all, right? That was not on his New Year's resolutions. It wasn't any, it, no, nowhere in there. And yet this stuff just keeps happening, but Paul... Paul's reaction to it all is so key, it's so critical, he just stays faithful. 
He just stays faithful. There's, I want to share a principle with you this morning that, that I learned several years ago that has proven to just be true over and over and over in my life. And, and you, if you've been here very long, you've heard me share this principle before. It's this statement. You can go ahead and put it up there, Garrett. Ministry happens in the interruptions of life. Ministry happens in the interruptions of life. Very rarely do we get to plan ministry. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we plan ministry-type events like what we're planning this, this Saturday with the clothing swap and things like that. But most often, ministry happens in the interruptions of life. It comes at us in ways that interrupt our plans, right? We're planning to work for God, and all of that time, all the while, God's working a plan, okay? Ministry happens in the interruptions of life. Now, who here will go ahead and raise up your hand and admit to the fact that you tend to be a kind of type A, OCD type personality? Raise up your hand. Really? I know there's more of you than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a good number of us, a good number of us tend to be that type of person that when things interrupt your plan, who here will also, of those that raise your hand, will also admit that occasionally when your plans get interrupted and you lose your ever-loving mind over that, that 24 hours later you look back on that situation and think, okay, God was totally in that, I see how that worked out. Ministry happens in the interruptions of life. That when we're doing the work of the Lord, it doesn't always come at us at this time in the way that we would uh, expect or that we have planned. That sometimes it just simply comes at us. And like Paul, we have to be willing to roll with the punches or literally shake it off. Just shake it off. That when these interruptions, when these complications hit us, we have to have the the faith, the trust in God to take those things and shake them off and just say, okay, what is God's will for me now in this situation? I know I had a plan, but evidently God had a different plan, so what is God's will for me now in this situation? In this situation. And that is really hard for us at times. It's really hard. I got to tell you, as, as a guy who, I make my living in ministry, right? I, I'm I'm a professional pastor. I, this is, you know, it's what I do for a living. And, and so my days are spent planning ministry, planning ministry opportunities, planning opportunities to share the gospel. My days are spent doing that sort of thing. And if I was not able to shake off interruptions in such a way that I, I looked at those interruptions as, okay, this, this is now God's new plan for my day. I had a plan, God pushed aside my plan, and he has a new plan for me. Um, nothing would ever get done that was worth getting done. Nothing would ever get done that was worth getting done. So these, these complications and these interruptions, they come at us in all kinds of different ways. I want to talk about just, just three of the ways that they come at us this morning. Um, sometimes they just come at us in the, in the form of kind of dark periods of time in our life. Just kind of... Pe- kind of dark, really low spots in our life. And those look like, uh, that can be some form of depression. It could be um, because of a death or an illness or, 
or something that just, it just kind of hits us at our core, it punches us in the gut, and we just feel dark, we just feel low. We begin to, you know, we begin to kind of mirror that old, you know, footprints in the sand poem, you know, where it's just like, I feel like I'm all alone, you know, type of thing. If, if you've only been a Christian for a little while, you have no idea what I was just talking about, but back in the 70s and 80s, there was this whole, anyway, never mind. All right, so, anyway, um, I'm not going to read the poem to you. It's really not worth it. So, these dark periods, in, these dark periods in our life that hit us, um, sometimes it's really easy for us to let those situations just derail us, just absolutely derail us. I, I'm going to share a few stories. This is going to be a short sermon today. Everybody say, woohoo. Um, <laughs> I'm going to share a few stories. There's a, a situation that happened to me when I was, um, when I just joined the army. I was 20 years old, 21 years old. <clears throat> and um, I, I joined the army because I had taken a break from college and um, had moved back home and uh, was just kind of doing some soul searching. I knew I had been called to preach. Uh, I didn't know what God wanted me to do with that. I knew I didn't, what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be a pastor. So I was just like, I'll do whatever with this thing you want me to do. Just don't make me be a pastor, right? And, and, and so I'm looking for all kinds of different uh, other options. So I began to kind of think up on the whole idea of um, the Army chaplaincy. And I, it just kind of hit me in the middle of the night one night. I'm laying in my bed, and... and um, and it's just the idea. Of, now, you've got you to gotta go, go back with me in the Wayback Machine 20 years. Um, I am, at that point in my life, the least likely candidate for the Army you've ever seen in your life, okay? I, you know, I weighed a buck 70 soaking wet, and, and I was just... I, I, my, my music collection was largely Broadway musicals. I just... I was not... I was not the, uh, you know, the the, uh, you know, pillar of manhood that stands before you today, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, I'm just, it's just not, I was not the army, typical, you know, stereotypical army type. But this idea hits me in the middle of the night of, you know, what about being an army chaplain? I didn't know anything about the army, army chaplaincy at all. I didn't know what the requirements were or anything. And so I, uh, I went to um, a uh, recruiting office and I said, you know, what's the deal about the chaplaincy? And they began to tell me, you know, the, the requirements required a, you know, master's degree and all this kind of stuff. And I was halfway through a BA, so that wasn't going to really work for me. And, and, uh, and so I, I just, I was like, okay, you know, so I went home and it just couldn't get that thought out of my head. But because they had also told me, well, you know, you can enlist as an enlisted soldier, as a chaplain assistant. And um, I was like, oh, okay, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. But Anyway, so I, again, couldn't get it out of my head, but I was trying really hard to push it out of my head because just the idea of, uh, you know, doing the Army thing just, just didn't sound good to me. And so, um, anyway, one day I'm walking to work. I was working at Target. <laughs> I'm walking to work, and uh, literally I'm thinking through this, and I'm kind of praying as I'm walking. I'm like, God, uh, I don't know what it is you want me to do, if it's this Army thing or what it is. And, and literally as I'm praying that, this, this SUV pulls over, um, next to the sidewalk next to me, the window goes down, and this guy uh, peers out the window and says, hey, why aren't you in the army? Completely out of the blue. Like, I didn't know this guy. He was a recruiter, and he was just like, here's some 
doofus walking down the road. Let's try to recruit him, right? And, and so, so anyway, so I, he's like, hey, why aren't you in the army? And I, and I was like stunned out of my prayer. I was like stunned. And I looked at him. I was like, because I work at Target. I was like, I, I don't know. I didn't know how to respond to that, you know? And so he, he gives me his card and, and he says, well, if you think, you know, if you want, if you think about it. So, I, man, I, held, I stared at that car for like three more days, just like, oh my gosh, what is this? Literally a, a sign from God, you know, that sort of thing. And so I decided, okay, if you want to, what better way to find out about the Army Chaplaincy, if it's something that you would like to pursue, then just go ahead and enlist. And so that's what I did. I enlisted in the Army because I kind of felt some sort of leading from God to do so. And, and so I get to <clears throat> basic training, and I am like, um, I'm grinning from ear to ear. I'm loving the whole experience. I'm serious. I loved, at first, I loved basic training because I'm a big movie buff, and I'm like, I am living full metal jacket. This is awesome, you know, and I'm just like, I just, I was just, I was like, this is incredible, you know, and, and uh, it was just, I loved that whole, <laughs> that whole experience, and, it, and, but then after uh, like two days, that whole newness just wears off. <laughs> And it's just like, I'm, it's just horrible. It's just miserable. And I mean, you're doing some cool things occasionally, but it's just kind of, you're just, their whole job, the drill sergeant's whole job is just to beat you down for eight weeks, to just crush your spirit and rebuild it in their own likeness. That's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing for eight weeks. And so we hit about the five week mark, five or six week mark. And one of the guys in my, um, in my company, which by the way, um, you know, we, 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 it was this, these big bay, you know, rooms full of kind of this size, full of bunk beds on either side and an aisle down the middle. And, and, uh, and there were, you know, 40 or 50 of us guys in that room. And, and um, one night, one of the guys in, in my unit there uh, tried to commit suicide. He, he drank about half a bottle of laundry detergent. And, um, and so, you know, they take him out and pump his stomach, and then he gets the whole, you know, he gets back, and he gets the whole, you can't even kill yourself, right, you know, speech from the drill sergeants, and, you know, this whole thing is horrible, but I remember after they had taken him out, I'm, I had been, I had, I know, I had kept a pretty positive attitude through this whole experience, but for some reason that night, that whole thing just kind of hit me, like, um, it was the lowest point of my experience in that so far, I, I really hit just low, and I laid in my bunk, I was on a top bunk, and I laid in my bunk, and I, it was the first time I kind of broke, and I was laying there kind of quietly crying, honestly. And, um, and I was just praying, God, why? You know, why is it you brought me into this? I just, I'm, I feel horrible about myself now. I feel, you know, this is just, it's been a horrible night, and I, I'm literally asking God, praying, why have you brought me into this? And I get a little tap on my shoulder in the middle of my prayer. And it's one of the guys, and, and by this time, you know, we're five, six weeks in, they knew I was a Christian. They knew I was a preacher, just because it comes up in conversation and that sort of thing. And, um, and so I get a tap on the shoulder, and it's one of the guys, and he says, uh, hey, Myers, he says, um, there's, there's a few of us guys over here that are wanting to pray, and we were wanting to know if you'd come lead us in prayer. Right in the middle of my prayer, asking God, why am I here, right? And so I, I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> try my eyes, you know. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And I jump up out of the, the bunk and, and get out there in the middle of the bay. And, and uh, it's literally all 40 guys already standing in a circle, holding hands, waiting for me to lead them in prayer. And um, I never asked God again. Why? I never did. It, it was just God 
so clearly telling me in that moment, there, there's a plan to this. There is a plan to this. And um, this is the thing. Sometimes dark times hit us. And it can be a low moment like that. Like I said, it can be because of a death or extended illness or whatever else. And it's okay to kind of cry out to God and it's okay to question and things like that. But ultimately, we have to make a decision of faithfulness. Ultimately, we have to make a decision of, God, even this low moment, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to choose you. I'm not going to lash out at you. I'm not going to abandon you because you haven't abandoned me. Instead, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to be faithful. God, just reveal yourself to me. Just reveal yourself. Another way that uh, complications kind of happen, sometimes they come at us not only through dark times, but through failure. Through failure. We have a plan, and that plan fails. What's even worse is sometimes when you feel like that plan came from God himself, and that plan failed. That's hard. That's hard. There was a time, um, gosh, um, Molly and Isaiah were really little at the time, so it's been a while back. Um, but I was, uh, I had left a church that I was um, youth pastor at, really kind of questioning, you know, God, what's, what's the next move for me, that sort of thing, and, and uh, began to feel like, God was leading me to start a church, to plant a church in the Bay Area. And, um, and it was, and so I stepped out on faith and said, you know, Jamie and I were, so we're, we're going to do this. We're totally going to do this. And as we began to, you know, we, we started kind of get, gathering our resources and making plans. I mean, I had, I had a name for the church. I had letterhead before I had a member. I had, um, you know, I had, we had a bank account. We had the whole thing. I mean, we were ready to roll. And then we got, um, you know, people started joining us and we were just meeting out of our living room. It was real organic, you know, and, and it was, um, uh, it was, it was just a great time. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun at the time. And, 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 but again, there was this kind of driving purpose behind it, and it just felt right. And, you know, we did it for, uh, I don't know, three, four months, and over that time, you know, built up to somewhere around 20 people, and, and um, but we had, uh, financially, for our family, I, you know, I was, we were both working full-time outside jobs and things, and financially for our family, we just hit this wall, just this wall where it was like, uh, something's got to change or we're going to be homeless, right? And, um, and so, you know, began to kind of pray through that whole situation. P- thing, good things were happening in the context of that church plant, um, but it just, it just, it wasn't sustainable for us. It wasn't sustainable. And, um, and so after a lot of prayer and talking to, you know, the people who were doing this thing with us, we decided it was uh, best to uh, lay it down. And that's what we did. And um, I can just remember, you know, you ever, have you ever done something where you failed at it and then that's the, kind of the stink of failure just lingers on you for a, lo- a while? You know what I'm talking about? And I remember feeling that for a good long while afterwards and just thinking, why, why, God, why did you lead us down this path only to let it fail after a handful of months? What, what, was, what was your logic behind that? And um, 
But it's funny because now I can, I look back on that whole situation. One, I learned so many incredible things. I, I learned so much about being a pastor and, and about, uh, you know, a church life and that sort of thing. And, and, but the other thing, and this is the big one, is that I can look back on that little group of people that were gathering for a handful of months, and almost all of them were completely out of relationship with Christ, and almost all of them to this day are still in relationship with Christ. And so while maybe my dream of, you know, a megachurch did not pan out, God had other plans, and he had a purpose. God's plans and purposes are perfect, even when I don't understand them or see them. Sometimes failure can hit you in all kinds of different ways. Maybe it's not in ministry. Maybe it's in career choices. Maybe it's in relationship choices, whatever, whatever it is, financial failure. But when that failure hits you, you have a choice. You have a choice to either to stay down or to get up, basically. You have a choice to stay down or to get up. And can I just tell you this, that God has not called any of us to be perfect. He has not called any of us to make the right choice every single time with 100% accuracy. He has not called us to be able to foresee the future and how every event will pan out. He just calls us to be his, to be faithful. And what God can do is he can take, and we keep talking about this a lot lately, but it's so true. He can take even our failures and turn them into victories. He can take even our failures and turn them into victories. And sometimes what we see as a failure is actually, in his view, a win. We just have to get our thinking changed about that thing. Stay faithful, even through failures. Stay faithful. Every huge uh, you know, you go, you've all heard this. Every huge invention that you can possibly think of was preceded by about 2,000 failures getting it to that point. And, and, and it's the same thing. If, if we never allowed ourselves to fail and then keep going and keep trying, this is something we talk about in, with the staff and elders a lot. We will not be afraid to fail. We will not be afraid to fail. I, for Christmas gifts this year, I gave the staff and elders these little mini uh, bats, these little uh, Louisville slugger bats, and had a little engraving put on them. And it says, um, it just said, uh, play without fear, swing away, swing away. And, it, and it, the idea came from this quote I had heard from Babe Ruth, who said, you know, that basically every strike got him one step closer to the next home run. I love that idea. Every strike got, got, gets me one step closer to the next home run. And in ministry, I want us to be doing the same thing. I want us to be trying things all the time. And if we fail, that's fine. We'll learn what doesn't work, but we're going to keep trying. Why? Because God is worthy of that kind of faith, that kind of effort, that kind of dreaming on our part. And we will do everything short of sin to win people closer to Christ. Amen? That's what we'll do. Failure. Shake it off. Shake it off into the fire. The last one is this. The, um, so maybe this wasn't such a short sermon. Sorry about that. Okay, so um, the <laughs> never is. Well, you guys know, if I say it's a short sermon, you guys, you know, strap in. We're going to be here a while. So um, 
So the last one is this. Um, sometimes the distractions happen to us in just in the form of the monotony of life. Just life that kind of happens and it just, <laughs> sometimes life just, it, it's relentless, isn't it? It just keeps coming every single day. Every single day. And it's just relentless. And, and each day has its new surprises and new unexpected twists and things you weren't expecting to have to do. And, and, and you had your plan and life had a different plan. <laughs> this happened to me just a couple weeks ago. It happens all the time. But there's one example I can think of that happened uh, like about a week and a half ago. <clears throat> Um, Isla was homesick, and, and so whenever, you know, the kids are kind of sick, and, and uh, Jamie and I have that conversation that you guys probably have too, which is, uh, you know, which one of us needs to go to work worst, you know, that sort of thing, you know, you know that, and so we're, we're kind of like, so I decided that I, the, the kind of stuff I needed to accomplish that day I could accomplish from home, and so I would stay home and, and work and, and let her leave the house, and let her leave the house. That's, that's the way we operate in our house. I let her leave the house. And so anyway, so she, uh, she left, and I'm there with, with the two little ones, with uh, uh, Meadow and, and Isla. And, um, and so we're Myers, so we sit and watch TV. And, um, and, and, but I, the, the, there's a reason, though. We, we sat down, and we had, had recorded the, the Bible series, you know, the History Channel's been playing Isla hadn't seen any of it, and I was like, well, Matt, I wonder if she'll like this, you know, and so she, she kind of curled up next to me on the couch, and I started playing it as the first episode, the one that goes from, you know, creation, basically, through Moses, and, um, and so it, it, if you've watched it, 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 run, it hits pretty fast. These stories come pretty fast in this, in this series, and, and if you don't have a lot of background on those stories, it might leave you a little bit confused, so as we're, as we're watching it, I'm taking time to pause and and tell those stories a little bit more fully to Isla. And, and I'm saying, this is happening because of this and this and this. And she's like, you know, she's really, she was actually into it. She was really, into, she, her favorite part, she said this. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't spur this on in her. This came totally from her, okay? So she, she said, I asked her what her favorite part was. She said, I love the ninjals. I was like, the what? The ninja angels. I love the ninjals. So if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. There's some straight-up ninja angels in this thing. And, and uh, anyway, so, so she loved the ninjals. Um, but um, anyway, but we're, we're just talking through that whole, that whole thing. And it became, what well, at first was this, this day that was this, honestly, I was really put out by it. I was inconvenienced by it. I just, it was not what I had planned to do that day. Um, God had a different kind of ministry in, tar- in mind for me that day. He needed me to feed the word to my daughter. To feed the word to my daughter. Um, I, as a pastor, I work very hard at um, creating opportunities to feed the word to all of you. And my kids get included in that mix as well. Um, but it was a really special day of me being able to spend time in the word and in this, you know, this program with my daughter teaching her the great stories of the Bible. And uh, I loved that day. I ended up absolutely loving what, what, what started off as a day that had me incredibly put out. Ended up as a day that I, I, I think will be a long time before I forget. Because we had really cool conversations. She's five years old, but we had these amazing little conversations around these Bible stories. You know, I was telling her, you know, Noah probably didn't sound like Sean Connery, but he does in this thing, you know, that sort of thing. But, uh, but, I'm, but I'm telling her, you know, these stories, and it was this really special day. 
And she still talks about it. You know, here a couple weeks later, she's still talking about those stories, and she's still talking about that day. This is the thing. If you are, you know, kind of part of a, a, a nuclear family, if you're married and you have kids, that sort of thing, or whatever, um, you know as well as I do that being a part of a family can bring a dozen interruptions every day. A dozen interruptions every day. And it can be really tempting for us to get to a place where we start even, you know, resenting our families. Resenting the time, you know, the, the interruptions that our families cause and we become so frustrated and whatever else. And it could be that God is using your kids or is using your spouse to get you to stop doing what you're doing and do the thing that he wants you to do. There, there was a lot of things that I could have done that day that would have been worthwhile things. But you know what? 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, not one of those things will come to my mind. But teaching my daughter the word of God will always be there up at high priority for me. And sometimes God uses those interruptions for us to kind of take a break from what we're doing and just say, I need you to do this. I need you to focus on this. I spent, you know, Saturday uh, or Friday, um, you know, just wrestling in the floor with my two little girls, which is why I was sick on Saturday. And, <laughs> and um, but, but it's, again, it's, it's that neediness and that, that distraction that comes from them, I think is divine in some way. And we shouldn't be so... Um, we shouldn't be so quick to shake them off. They're not the vipers, right? They're not the vipers. Sometimes the stuff that we're busy with is the viper that needs to be shaken off. God can actually use the distractions of the monotony of life to bring about his will in our life. And again, we need to be the kind of faithful people who will go with that and just say, okay, God, my plan is ob obviously side-railed, so what's your plan for this day? What's your plan for this day? And we embrace his plan. Don't let these distractions um, destroy your attitude or destroy your spirit. Ministry happens in the distractions of life. That's where ministry happens. Let's pray. Father, I love you, and I thank you so much for your word today. And I thank you for this uh, study that we've done in, in such an amazing book, this book of Acts. As we see your, your word and your gospel, your Holy Spirit spread like a wildfire, and it continues spreading to this day. We're so thankful to be a part of that. God, I, I want to, again, I, I just thank you for your word to us this morning in terms of... Um, these things that often distract us. God, would you help us to stay so close to you that we see your Holy Spirit moving even in those distractions, that we are quicker to shake things off and to roll with things the way you have brought them about. Um, God, help us to look for you in every situation. Even the unexpected situations, the dark situations, the, the, the situations that we wouldn't have planned or wished on anyone, God, would you help us to see you in them and take up 
the mantle of, of your ministry even in those situations, especially in those situations. God, I thank you so much um, that you interrupt me on a regular basis. I thank you so much that you don't uh, just leave me to my own plans and my own devices, God, because you know the kind of <clears throat> senseless spinning and, and even destruction that I would get myself in if, if I was just left to my own. But God, you distract me in holy ways. You bring about your will in my life in ways that are unexpected. God, help me to see the ministry opportunity in every single situation. God, I pray that for everybody else in this room. God, help us to see you, see the ministry opportunities in every situation of our lives. With nobody looking around right now, just every head bowed, I wonder if there's anybody that would just slip up a hand just to, so I could be praying for you, just to say, um, I have not been seeing the ministry in distractions, and I've been being, being very frustrated lately. Would you pray for me? Would anybody just slip up a hand just to say, pray for me? And that, yeah, hands all over the room. God, for these, I, I, I pray a special insight and special blessing, God, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would reveal yourself to them. Again, God, just help them to live so close to you that they see you more readily. God, lead them and guide them in the way that you want them to go. God, I pray that you would increase our ministry opportunities. And I know by saying that, I'm actually praying that you increase our distractions. But God, I pray that you would. God, I pray that as we plan things for you, it's not that there's anything wrong with planning things for you. It's a good thing. And as we do that, God, I pray that you would bless those ministry opportunities as well. But God, help us not to be so caught up into our plans that we don't see just the day-to-day -day opportunities you present to us. Father, we love you, and uh, we thank you. We thank you for another day to come together and, and to worship you and to hear from you. So uh, we just give you this day. We glorify you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.